This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. It's an idea that should gain some currency in our current high inflation environment. Give the Federal Reserve just one thing to worry about. Economist Alexander William Salter of Texas Tech argues that it would, at the very least, give the largely amateur economists in Congress a chance to nail down Fed officials on meeting their obligations. The Federal Reserve has two mandates that exist in tension with one another. That is a mandate for full employment and a mandate for price stability. So how, in your view, how has that complicated the Fed's job? It's complicated the Fed's job in a number of ways. So here's something that your readers and listeners might not actually know. Technically, the Federal Reserve has a triple mandate. It's full employment, stable prices, and moderate long-term interest rates. Everybody just sort of agreed via a gentleman's agreement to sort of ignore the last part of that because they understood that the Federal Reserve doesn't really have control over interest rates. Those are set in global capital markets determined by supply and demand. As powerful as the Fed is, it can influence those rates, but it can't really control them in any meaningful sense. That's why they call it a target. Right. And so what's interesting about that is there was no formal repudiation of that part of the mandate. People just sort of agreed to let it fall by the wayside. And I think that actually points towards one of the problems with Fed governance, which is Congress, which is supposed to oversee the Fed, has been more than happy to let the Fed just do its own thing and self-police and self-govern. So that gives the Fed a lot of leeway to determine how much it wants to focus on prices, how much it wants to focus on unemployment, how much uh, inflation is commensurate with stable prices, how low can the unemployment rate go before we have to start thinking about uh, hitting the brakes, things like that. And so the ultimate problem with that is that if there's no oversight, the central bank really does become a law unto itself and there's no accountability. Yeah, to the extent that they have a double or uh, so-called triple mandate, It seems as if the efforts of the Fed inevitably at some point are going to be focused on one or the other or the one that is a problem now instead of trying to maintain some balance between the two. It's the whack-a-mole theory of central banking. Whatever problem spouts up, we try and smack that one and then two more pop up. So right now, obviously, the Fed is pivoting to inflation fighting mode. We're experiencing the highest inflation that we've seen in 40 years. That's hardly new or needs to be explained. What's interesting, though, about this is although we're seeing record low unemployment at a time of record high price increases, the Federal Reserve, once upon a time, not that long ago, was pretty sanguine about the prospects of inflation. Uh, And full confession, so was I. So I was wrong, the Fed was wrong. And that's something that we need to talk about because when we're wrong about basic questions like this, when we operate in a de facto discretionary environment and we drop the ball, things go really far south really quickly. And Congress, whatever concerns they had about inflation until recently, that it didn't show up in the data. We had spent huge amounts of money uh, through the federal government and nothing really happened. Spent a lot, printed a lot. Everybody, I think, was looking at what happened after the financial crisis of 2008. Remember how massive the response was after that, and yet inflation, they couldn't even get inflation up to 2%, despite the fact that they were trying, or at least they 
sure look like they're trying pretty hard. Now, there are technical differences about what happened to the Fed's operating framework. We can talk about interest on reserves or whatever. But the bottom line is people were fooled. And so I think that we looked to post-2008 too much to extrapolate what was going on in this case. And we got we got fooled. We got blindsided by price surges. And now we're, we're stuck playing cleanup. So the prospect of reducing the Fed's mandate has sort of been on the table, but I don't think most members of Congress have viewed it very seriously. There are several upsides that I can see, uh, one of which is it just makes Congress's job of oversight easier. It right? does they, make don't, they don't have to focus on two things and listen to, hey, well, you got to consider we got to handle this and this thing over here. Uh, there's a, a simple set of metrics to look at for either price stability or unemployment. That's right. I think that all else being equal, it's good for accountability. There is a bill in Congress right now, the Price Stability Act of 2022, uh, introduced by Representatives Hill and Donalds. Representative Hill is from Arkansas. Representative Donalds is from Florida. And it's a very simple, very short bill. Changes the dual mandate to a single mandate, price stability only. And like you said, that makes Congress's oversight job much easier. And it also permits the Fed much less wiggle room in justifying its actions. I think a lot of times the Fed has been flying by the seat of its pants and whenever it has to explain itself to Congress, it can always say, oh, we think right now that unemployment matters more, so we're doing this. Or, oh, we think that inflation matters more right now, so we're doing that. Since Congress is full of generalists and monetary policy is a pretty specialized enterprise, there's no real way for the generalists in Congress to monitor and police the experts because they can always come up with an expertise sounding explanation that, that sort of covers their tails. And so in terms of democratic accountability and in terms of sound macroeconomic policy, I think there are arguments for doing this. The case for stable prices itself is very, very strong. Um, for a long time in the United States, we've seen the sort of slow uh, decay of the dollar, of individual dollars that you and I might possess. What would change if the mandate were simplified down to the single mandate? If everyone found the Federal Reserve's narrowing of their mandate, or I should say Congress's narrowing of the Fed's mandate to be credible, you would have a much stronger predictability over the path of the dollar's purchasing power. And that's, of course, good for long-term planning. It's much easier to allocate capital, write long-term financial contracts when you have a reasonable belief about what the purchasing power of the dollar is going to be in 10, 20, 30 years. Now, that being said, price stability only is not a macroeconomic panacea. Uh, when we are experiencing supply problems, as is partly the case right now, a price stability only mandate could actually force the Fed to contract monetary policy to bring down inflation when production and distribution is already getting harder due to supply problems. And so because of that, you would actually worry that the Fed's mandate focused on price stability alone might have unintended bad consequences for output and employment in an environment where the economy is supply constrained. That's just the nature of the critter. That's the trade-off that we have to think about. I think that getting that predictability in there from price stability, I think getting that accountability in there from price stability could very well be worth uh, having these supply problems that we might not be able to respond to perfectly. Because really, the only time that you can think that the Fed can actually handle those is if it actually, A, has discretion and B, uses it well. What reason do we have to think that it uses it well? It hasn't yet. 
So it's not clear to me that we're giving up anything all that important. I get a little nervous whenever I think about the Federal Reserve trying to influence the unemployment rate. There are a lot of things the Fed could do, and they, in in the last uh, 15 years or so, have developed new things that they can do and new tools uh, that they've decided to keep uh, since the financial crisis. Um, But I can see a a pretty big potential downside of trying to have the the Federal Reserve attempt to move the unemployment rate down. Oh, sure. There are definite costs to that. And except in the very, very short run, there's no meaningful trade-off between inflation and unemployment. In fact, provided the central bank is doing a good job of anchoring market expectations, there's no trade-off between inflation and unemployment at all. We learned this the hard way via the breakdown in the supposed stability of the inflation unemployment trade-off in the 1970s. That's bunk macroeconomics. We threw it out for a reason. We know that when the economy is operating at its full potential, there's going to be some minimum amount of job turnover, corporate starts, corporate failures, et cetera, and that's going to determine the unemployment rate. It doesn't have anything to do with monetary policy. Monetary policy affects what we call the nominal anchor in macroeconomics, basically means either total income valued in current dollars, and what falls out of that is also the purchasing power of the dollar. And so the Fed can make the dollar cheap, the Fed can make the dollar expensive, but unless it does some complete surprise monetary policy that nobody was expecting, monetary policy doesn't really affect the unemployment rate. Yes, you can surprise people, but that only works once or twice. Alexander William Salter is a professor of economics at Texas Tech. We spoke earlier this month in Las Vegas. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.